वेलकम टू सिन टॉक सिन टॉकर्स अराउंड द टेबल टुडे डिस्कस द इल्यूजन एंड द कॉस्मोस we think about illusion from an all encompassing cosmological perspective we try to understand what separates the real from the illusory and is there a universal illusion at all we'll potentially get into concepts like mirage magic gravitational lensing and black holes maya vidya potentially sri aurobindo's concept of knowledge by identity we'll wonder whether color smell taste these are all illusions and if there's anything real at all we are pleased and privileged to have three sin talkers around the table today professor kumar chitre who's an astrophysicist and a teacher and specially interested in the physics of the sun he's from the university of bombay dr mathes cornelison who's a physician from holland but has lived most of his life in india in pondicherry and is particularly interested in sri aurobindo's work in the field of consciousness and dr devdat patnaik who wears many hats and is a mythologist from bombay Kumar maybe we set the ball rolling with you uh to understand what is an illusion from a cosmological perspective and how do you see it as a physicist um and it will be very interesting to understand whether it's in it's an illusion only from a perceptual standpoint or is it an illusion by itself in a more ontological way well uh, in some sense uh, we are always uh, living uh, under illusory conditions in right. sense uh, we are familiar with an uh, ordinary uh, tricks of the magician yeah. where with a slate of hand yeah he diverts our attention in some sense deceives us yeah and creates uh, illusions yeah and we are led to believe you know that certain phenomena are occurring mm mm-hmm. that that's at the level of if you like um, entertainment and people enjoy that kind yeah but look around nature you have uh, mirages which you see i mean on a hot uh, summer's afternoon the tar road creates mirages or in desert sand the voyagers have been seeing the mirages yeah and it's a very simple physical phenomenon in the sense that the sun's heat essentially leads to a very hot surface and about the hot surface there's a thin layer of air yeah. which becomes hot and that is so it's just lighter. a fraction of light it's well. lighter and yeah. on the top is the cold cool layer right and so image from the distance when you look at a distant object like a tree 
it the light rays basically come through the cold air mass and also underneath thin uh, yeah. lighter air which is heated yeah and you get straight light rays coming f from the distant tree and you see a real image but it's another virtual image which is inverted because the light rays are ref refracted correct and it creates an image and you see uh, real image and an inverted image. That's and right. And it's exactly the same uh, illusion you get in the desert that you see a, a layer of water. Yeah. And that's what you know, deceives. So in some sense, it, it is a deception of our senses yeah. which leads to mirages. Yeah. And uh, basic players in this are light, sometimes sound, and of course smell. Yeah. So these are sensory perceptions which lead you. To but is that a mirage only for human beings or even a camel sees oh, that even, even a camel should be able to see that as a phenomenon. But we don't know. Right. We can't communicate with the camel <laughs> to see whether he has seen a of layer of water. And then, right. Well, apparently the flock of uh, animals do. Uh, do, get, do, we are get, towards get a mirage. Right. And then chase the mirages. Right. Which right. you are never able to catch up. So it's up. a purely sensory perception. It's a pure sensory perception. Okay. And light, as I said, is the main player here. Right. But there are other, uh, you know, sensory perceptions which can lead you to believe. But this is at the level of now our terrestrial experience. Correct. But now we see mirages in the cosmos also. Yeah. On a much larger scale. Yeah. And these are basically, if you like, virtual images mm -hmm. in the sense they might be, uh, well, let's, uh, let's take the um, sort of example of our sun. Yeah. Um, have you seen the setting sun? See, when you see the sun uh, going towards the western horizon yeah. before sunset, you see dazzling colors of light, you know. That's right. Light, the whole sky changes its colors. Yes. That's quite a, you know. It's quite a sight. Of, Quite a sight, manifestation, in my view, that's a manifestation of a divinity, if you like. But <laughs> uh, you see nature playing you know, games for you. But it's nothing but a physical phenomenon of uh, light being scattered by molecules in the atmosphere. Right. But more interesting thing is that when you see the sun setting, you see the rim, if you're standing by a seaside, of the sun touching the horizon, and then it, it gradually disappears. But you know what? The sun is already set. Yes. And it is below the horizon, but because of the phenomenon of refraction, when right. the light rays come through the atmosphere overlying the Earth's surface, right. uh, you see an image. So right. that is an illusory phenomenon. Right. Well-founded phenomenon. Uh, uh, pretty well-founded. You can observe <laughs> it. Likewise, you see normally when the sun is up on the horizon yeah. and moves up yeah. towards the zenith, you see it as a round object, which right. it is. Right. Sun is, you know, spherical to an accuracy of one part in ten to the five for the physicists uh, here. Beautiful. And Beautiful. Uh, but the sun becomes slightly oblate. It it's uh, near the it poles. flattens it's a little bit at the poles. That's compared right. Compared to the equator, right? And that is again a phenomenon of refraction. That is right. again an illusion. Right. But right. that is in the neighborhood. Right. You go beyond. Right. At the level of the cosmic distances which we study, you may have a distant object, 
Mm-hmm. A galaxy, a galaxy, or, or a quasar, quasar stellar quasar. radio source, which is a powerful emitter of radio waves. Right. And the light rays coming from the distant quasar or distant radio source or distant X-ray source, when it comes through, there's so many other galaxies and groups of galaxies and clusters of galaxies which can come in the way. Yeah. And yeah. you know the galaxies and clusters of galaxies. They act like lenses almost. They are like lenses. They are the cosmic zoom lenses, if you like. <laughs> and Einstein, you know, told us that uh, light can be affected by gravity. Right. So light rays are bent as they go past the gravitating object, mm-hmm. and you get images form. So there might be one quasar, but the light rays coming through a galaxy or a group of galaxies creates multiple images. But again, Kumar, that is a pure. perceptual illusion obviously i mean there well, is one quasar and there is no but you measure the spectra of the images too right so there are physical uh, you know uh, consequences uh-huh. of not only the original source which you never see of course all you see are the virtual four or five or three or two images first mm. quasar right which was the lens had only two bright images right and then we measured the redshift through spectra of course Uh, and the, uh, the features were identical, near identical. Right, right. And the distance was the same for the two. Right. So we knew it right. was a lens image. Right. Likewise, not merely discrete images in perfect alignment, you can get a ring of yeah, the background source. Yeah, of course. Source. Of course. Or, of course. And if there's slight misalignment, huge arc. and uh, anti arc here that's very interesting so kumar devdat maybe uh, i mean we're talking about the sun a little bit and there will be myths around that and it's 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 tempting to kind of equate the astrophysical halos uh, rings with halo and 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 see i mean what what does mythology and what do our texts in the indic traditions say about illusion in general and obviously there's this concept of maya which is often understood and misunderstood very easily what do you have to say to that see it's the problem of the english language right of course <laughs> because uh, maya is maya right how do you translate it Uh, depends on your own understanding of both the english language as well as sanskrit okay and uh, so one has to be that itself is an illusion by itself as to what does it mean <laughs> sure. because uh, the more i have read the scriptures the more i understood that what they are saying is delusion it's uh, it's delusion, delusion and illusion delusion. are very different things it's very interesting delusion is where there's a set of data that you read in a particular way right. which is different from the way the data is right. and illusion is there is no data Right. you are seeing something right so right. Uh, and one has to differentiate between the two things it is so a schizophrenic person having images in his mind he can see uh, or an alcoholic extreme alcoholic person seeing things on the walls that's a delusion uh, that's a uh, uh, there is nothing there there's nothing there it's a false impression it's a false there is no data but he is seeing it yeah while here that what we we are talking about in terms of the planetary thing there is a set of data yeah there's a whole set of phenomena happening and how i'm receiving it yeah so the question therefore one is to so the the the, the word maya one of the roots of the word is ma which is measurement right right and therefore the world created by measurements and right. who is measuring Right, and therefore the 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 world comes based on what is being measured, uh-huh. who is measuring, and uh-huh. what is the measuring scale. Right, and these words are there in the Alvar poetries, in the Tyagraja and Tyagraja Kritis. Right, they keep asking this. They repeatedly asking. What is being measured? Who is the measurer? What is the measuring instrument? Right, 
they are talking about so our understanding of the world depends so for example would the uh, rainbow exist if not a single creature if there, there were no eyes yeah 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 if you had no eyes it's a perceptual illusion so uh, but would the rainbow exist yeah it's, it's, and it's that's beautiful. because the refraction is taking place all kinds of things are happening but there's no receptor yeah. which is receiving there's a retinal perception there's a, a rainbow exists so on the retina so there is a whole world for example now we know about how the bats function yes we know how uh, they use echo yeah uh, we know dolphins have a uh, different ways of sensing the world yeah. there are different sense organs on radio waves they are the seeing world. things that we are not seeing of course of course and there is a whole bunch of things that they are seeing yeah which uh, which we don't see and if i don't have an instrument or at least an organ so what is called in the uh, in gita it is called indriya indriya gnana indriya that which receives information right in the absence of a gnana indriya yeah would any of this conversation it's purely psychological at some um, uh, physiological physiological because physiological. i don't need the mind necessarily when there's a mind but just the receptor i'm not even talking yes. about the mind behind the receptor right I'm surely talking about, like a machine does there's not a have a mind there's a pure sensory right? apparatus yeah. yeah yeah a simple example is uh, radio waves did exist but marconi and jagdishchandra bose designed the receiver of course Of so course. that's what you basically are saying that you know of you course. are limited for not having the receivers under your control it's beautiful it's beautiful so mathes is there is there i mean do you think of this do you think of illusion rainbow mirages and and you know deeper kinds of illusion are these purely psychological do you think of it more physiologically what would be your take on this I think the discussion is developing in a very interesting sequence actually. <laughs> uh, you go from physical into Yeah, uh, uh, because you start with illusion as actually small misperceptions accepting the reality as it is. So there is a physical reality. We perceive it, we slightly misperceive it because of all kind of things both in the outside reality and probably in our own perceptual system. Yeah. Now you bring in this a uh, fascinating idea about delusion and illusion yes and uh, in the indian tradition and then the word maya yeah i cannot judge but shobhan says that maya in the original sense in the veda did not mean illusion in the sense what you use delusion it didn't mean creating something out of nowhere right not in the sense of right. ajaropa of imposing a world on something that is actually empty or, right or formless at least right. but it was something like measuring out the world in front of you yeah right. there ma is mother and ma is measuring combined it is right. that creative force that creates something wonderful which then the physicist can study right right but when we would use the word psychological yes then there is a problem uh-huh. because we are all educated in that world view in which the physical world is real and if you say something is psychological then it is just in our mind yeah but right. the physical world in the end is also in our mind of course i don't think the physical world is more objectively visible or yeah, real right. i should say than say the divine or beauty yeah. or truth yeah. or like meaning. russell would say the stars They're, in our mind ah, so yeah, in yeah, a way the yeah. stars are outside yes and because you can deal with it as if they are outside yeah. but in a way that whole system of science just like our lay perception and any kind of myths formation that we humans do happens in our consciousness in yeah yeah so the question is now we have become as a culture fabulously good in 
perfecting those sense modalities and, and making in physical instruments yeah. to measure the physical reality. Yeah. But should we now not also develop inner indriyas to measure consciousness, to measure all these subtle worlds that exist between the physical world and say the divine? Right. The Indian tradition has done that. But right. modernity has lost that because we have said, okay, all those Indian, all those inner worlds, they belong all to Some religion, kind of a and so they are not open for study. We can only study them by studying scriptures. But that might be our limitation. Huh, that's our limitation. <laughs> our appreciation. Of Absolutely. And that is, I think, a great loss for humanity. Indeed, because I think, as Devdatta referred to, it depends on the measurer and the measurement right. and the instruments at your disposal. Yeah. What you are trying to say, basically, Matthias, is that our indriyas are not sufficiently tuned to be able to gauge the At least not everyone. everyone's. Yeah. But we oh, could, everyone's we could train them. Yes. We Just could train like them. Like we that, can train the outer senses. Right. But you know what? That brings you basically to so-called, you might be aware of the anthropic principle. Yes. Uh, you know, yes. the anthropic principle basically says, just to remind you, that uh, only those universes exist which admit of conscious observers. Right. So if the conscious observers are not there, <laughs> would you say that the universe does not exist? Right. That's what, uh, uh, That's right. what you of really course. are basically leading course. to. Of course. And the, the, course. See, the, the, I think the, somewhere I feel and in the world I, I, I inhabit, uh, I keep talking about the truth and my truth. Yes. And, I keep, and your truth and his truth and her truth. This yearning. So, so in your in your world, Dave, that then there's some kind of a radical subjectivity almost. Well, I don't know. It's radical. radical. It's just that been not valued. It's a different thing because the measurement scale, the measuring scale, which dominates the world today, values the truth. Yeah. Um, but there were other, there are cultures around the world, and I'll show you language which sure. talks about my truth. Right. So if I'm talking about the truth, then there is vivad argument. Yeah. Yes. So uh, where I say that. This is right, this is wrong. Yeah. But the moment I belong to a world of my truth and your truth, then I go into samvad. Correct. I it's listen to what you're saying. Yes. I listen to what you're saying and say, oh, my world is so limited. Oh, his world is different. So can I expand my world? Right. And therefore, what was illusion yesterday yeah. becomes reality today because yeah. somebody else has informed my knowledge. Yes. And therefore, my, my truth keeps expanding. Rather than the static, the truth that we're continuously yearning for. So what would a my truth be? Um, well, in my truth, the world is full of bad people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, a my truth could be uh, the world is full of good, good people. people of, course. Too. of course. And both are measuring scales. Who is measuring? What is being measured? Now, what is true? What yeah. is objective ontological truth? Yeah. It is epistemological, but not the way it is used. So justify true belief. I mean, yeah, because whatever. every person, based on his, let's say a child is raised in a very abusive environment. Yes. Horrible life for the first 15 years of his life. The way he perceives the world. It's different. It's, now you will say, no, that's not true, but it is true to him. Of course. I cannot strip his truth away, which is, I keep seeing people trying to do that. Yeah. Not appreciating, it's his truth. Yes. I yes. don't like what he's saying, maybe about me. Yeah. But it remains his, and I have to deal with it. Yeah. And yeah. you'll say it's illusion, it's not right, you are wrong, I don't have proof, give me data. But it has nothing to do with that. His right. childhood is shaping his perception, and perception is his reality. 
Right. And we, I think the truth, my truth divide. Yeah. You see that so many levels across. So yeah. When you're saying who decides what is illusion. Yes. Then therefore power comes into the picture. Yes. There's an authority out there which will decide. Right. Right. This is real. The, this is illusory. This is, and that is a scary place. Of course. <laughs> where of somebody course. else will decide for me of whether course. my view of course. Uh, but isn't that a function of uh, your experience accumulated? See, my perception of the world at large, as you say, the child's perception of an immediate you know, parental environment. Correct. Correct. It keeps changing yes. as the child goes out. So it is, it's not static, time-independent phenomenon. Even it, my truth it morphs develops over time. With time. Yes. Of course. Uh, of course. And, and what is an illusion at this moment may not remain so. At some later epoch. Yeah. And then you say, oh, I didn't see, I saw the truth as they say. But then we don't forget that it is, even then it is my truth. Even then it's my truth. But there's somebody out there who is saying that I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. But then the question is, uh, are you denying the existence of absolute truth? Now by absolute truth, I would mean typically, let's say Newton's laws of motion. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Now Newton's laws of motion in mechanics, which is spelled out or Maxwell's equations for electromagnetism, you switch on and then light comes on. Right. And those are waves which are being transmitted. It works whether or not you believe in them. Whether you believe it or not. Yeah. And it's not going to change. I yeah. mean, there may be little... Modifications Modifications like what Einstein modified Newtonian uh, gravity yeah. concept. But by and large, it is true. So true that you can design a spacecraft which arrives Land at Mars and then spot. and particular yeah. region you choose to uh, park it and yeah. it stays there. Yeah. Now that is an accuracy. And now, it depends, of course, what your perception of uh, truth is. But this is an absolute phenomenon. But I think that is where science differs. Yeah. Physical or biological science differs from humanities, as you discussed yeah. earlier. Mathes, what, what do you have I to have say to that? Yeah. I, I yeah. do not believe this. Right. Uh, both of you seem to say that science deals with absolute reality or absolute truth, while the humanities and all deal with basically with all kind of myths that everybody has according to his own capacity. So, Matthias, if I, I may ask you, for right. example, Newton's laws or Maxwell's laws, or what are they um, from your standpoint or from, from this models. standpoint? They're models. Models. I think any scientist uses them as models. And the models work according to mathematics, and they work both mathematically and experimentally. And so when the two work together, then we tend to believe in them, and they match. But I think it is just in an absolute sense, and I use absolute in a very absolute sense, it is just an extremely well-worked-out myth. Right. Because it is still a model of reality. It is not reality, reality itself. itself. Mm. True. And I don't think we humans are, can have this detailed access to humanity, uh, to reality itself with our mind. Our mind is not into that. No, Human minds are into but modeling. But isn't that a different uh, p- parameter in the perception? In the sense, I said uh, uh, sight, smell, sound. Now you are bringing in the fourth parameter, mind, let's say. Correct. Okay, so uh, let us say sight. Yeah? As you mentioned, a bat has a different kind of sight than we have. Yeah? Yes. We can only distinguish the colors that we can catch as colors. You cannot 
even imagine a collar that's outside that, outside that very that limited that spectrum, band, yes. spectrum. While these collars must be there. And they're probably animals that subjectively experience that reality. Like yes. sound. For huh. example, dogs can hear huh. frequencies. Huh. And dolphins of, uh, have it on two levels, uh, which is yeah. even exactly. more amazing. Yes. Yeah. See, the now, uh, idea of truth can be a concept called the truth. Truth can also be my truth. Huh. There is an objective no, no, way of looking at it. Huh. There is a subjective way. Huh. So the way you use the word myth, you hmm. use it in the terms of falsehood. No, I no, 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 not at all. Oh, no, 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 that's okay, a misconception. Okay. Because I, I just use mean it as, it as a constructed, constructed a construct reality. about reality. Constru yeah? So everybody has a construct of reality and huh. it comforts people huh. to have a reality which is independent of them. Huh. Correct. The thing is, for most people, the burden of that this reality is dependent on me yeah. is, is a burden. Is a burden because if I tell you know if I tell somebody there is a villain in the world, and I'll say no, it's your perception yeah. that there is a villain in the world. Now that is a very disturbing idea because I have constructed the villain. But they, that there is no yeah. mathematical data. So then there are rules created in society that if you somebody says oh if we kill people. Uh, then you are in, you are a villain. It's a moral but, code again. But the moral code again depends on something else. Where it will say that oh, if you kill bad people, then you are a hero. But if you right. kill good people, you are a villain. But Devdutt, if I may ask, is there an absolute at all from from a mythological, in mythological traditions? Uh, well, uh, different myths. Yes. So Indian myths don't carry the burden of absolute. Okay. Okay. Um, while they are understanding, they, they keep referring to an absolute, but they okay. said, I am not yet reached a level where I can see it. Right. Because the mind is continuously expanding, expanding. So I, when we're talking about calculus, it's like infinity. Yeah. Infinity. You is tend a, towards that. You tend towards it. But right. infinity will always be yeah. receding, a little bit receding from So absolute is defined almost in the terms the way a calculus scholar... Tathagat. What is Tathagat? Uh, uh, tathagat is who is aware of what he is. Tat. That what is so. It is so. He it knows is. it is so. So right. he is aware of absoluteness, um, always being a little beyond your reach. Right. He's at peace with it. Right. He doesn't need to have it. He's right. at peace with this calculus nature of. But there are other myths, there are other cultures in the world uh -huh. where the idea of the absolute central. Right. Okay. So there are two, there are different cultures. So there's a culture which is comfortable with ambiguity. Uh -huh. There's another culture which can't handle ambiguity. Right. They demand certainty. Right. And it is not by chance that science as we know it today emerged in Europe. Yeah, of course. Not of because course. people around the world had scientific thinking, but it reached a phenomenal level in Europe. Yeah. Because it also, what was there before? Christianity, which focused on the certainty of divinity. Yes. Or the Crusades, because there is Islam. Yeah. There were these two groups of people fighting each other, each one claiming their concept of divinity and prophecy. To be somehow superior to the other. Absolute. absolute. Can, I, can absolute. I come in between for a yeah. second? I think what you um, mentioned now, David, is this difference between a concept of truth and truth. And I think that's the crux of the matter. Yeah? Yeah. In the Indian tradition, there's that beautiful idea that Brahman, the divine, the that, whatever you call it, yeah. is Anantaguna. It has all the qualities. Yes. yes. So then it becomes for us immeasurable because humans cannot deal with infinity that way. So but it is indeed a target that cannot be reached. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then each religion within the system sees some aspect of it which looks true to it, but there is actually it points to something beyond itself. 
Yeah? I yeah. think that's a wonderful way of looking at it. Yeah. Now, my fear at the moment is that science has been so successful, practical, <laughs> useful, whatever, <laughs> is that people think that the model it produces is, again, the truth. It confused well, the model for me, reality. Again, well, to yeah. me, it is just a conceptual world, which is excellent, great. It cannot be but the whole truth, But it is not the truth, truth because it the cannot truth be the whole truth. truth. You know sure. what? Because science is limited by the technology available at that moment. How do you know that with uh, advancing time, you might access, uh, you know, look, how would you have figured out uh, how communication uh, channels would develop? But Kumar, are there instances of things which were perceived to be illusions but are real and things which are perceived to be real but but turned out to be mm. illusion because of this technological advance. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. look at the example of an electron. The yes. electron which we studied, it's a basic particle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. People couldn't quite uh, grasp the idea the electron exists. Of course, yeah. you don't see the electron. Yeah. But you see the effect of electron currents flowing. Yeah. Electrons are the carriers. Yeah. Of, uh, but Kumar, if I may ask, what is an electron? Because even the very identity of electron is kind of, well, it's a wave function, to, it is it, a particle. It's a it fundamental is? particle, or some sense. What is and, a particle? Uh, and particle, uh, now, uh, our ideas is it, about is particles. It a physical? Uh, yeah, idea, it's a physical entity. Okay. Our ideas about particles also change. At one time, we thought of molecules. That was the unit we knew. We couldn't go beyond that, and we developed chemistry. Then molecules got split into further uh, entities like electrons, protons, yes. neutrons. Yeah. Right? Neutrons and protons also have been further now split divided into quarks, into quarks and yes. gluons, and they are binding together. You keep, keep now, you, you see, you keeping, and this all happened because technology became available to probe at those short distances or high energies. Now, this was the progress of science. So science never gives you the truth. Yeah. The Kumar, truth is receding from you. Yeah. The truth Kumar, is receding from you. you, you Why do you say that? Well, because you have, as you said, you keep on grabbing. So it's that asymptotic character. Asymptotic you, character yeah. of the understanding of science. How, see, look. Uh, you, but would, would, you, you, would you say that a quark is real? Well, quark is real as much as it makes up the proton and the neutron. Protons and and neutrons are real because, because you, are, you and I are made up of it. You see, just uh, let me give you an example. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, uh, 150 years ago, mm -hmm. the Royal Astronomical Society was formed. Yeah. <laughs> its motto is quisquid notat, notandum in Latin, observe whatever shines. Right. So they used to observe the planets, the stars, the galaxies. Right. As it happens, right. last... 40 years, we have realized 95% of the universe dark matter. does not shine. <laughs> <laughs> because it is dark. And we don't know what a dark matter is made of. And now to uh, top it all, we have only 25% dark matter and 70% is dark, dark energy. energy. Now yeah. what is dark energy? Now you, uh, you think about consciousness and entities which are certainly beyond science, and they have no clue of what dark energy but is. But Kumar, if I ask you, we were talking about gravitational lensing a while ago, can dark matter yield itself to gravitational lensing? Oh, indeed, Does light indeed, bend indeed, off dark matter? Indeed. In fact, the clusters of galaxies which I refer to right. are made up of visible galaxies, that is light, and dark matter. Now, 
we see the effect of dark matter through its gravitational influence on the background source. So what we see as a ring or an arc or multiple images, yeah. they are farmed out, okay? The sizes yeah. depend on the influence of gravity. And we realize that gravity of mere the shining galaxies does not yield the kind of size. So you need the aid of the dark matter. Yeah. Which contributes, see, how do you infer the existence of dark matter from its gravitational influence? What is dark matter, Kumar? Well, it may we, be a dumb question, but we, what is anything that you can't we, measure? We don't know what, we're trying to measure it. Yeah. They're called weakly interacting massive particles, WIMPs. But what are WIMPs? <laughs> you see, what are WIMPs? But, uh, are they made up of some part? They're certainly not protons and neutrons. So they're not made up of the particles we know. We, no, weakly interacting. Unfortunately, they're weakly interacting. You can't even grab them. Right. All you know is they might be present here around you, and you have not uh, figured out. Uh, David, is there no, an equivalent in some see, way of what dark matter is? Have, well, have uh, I'm just getting an analogy. See, in the physical world, what yeah. is dark matter? Yeah. In the animate world, or, yeah. you know, Ajiva and Sajiva. Ajiva is not alive yeah, that is alive right there is fear fear now can you measure fear no <laughs> but you can deduce it everywhere it yes. is responsible for life that is why a animal runs towards food uh, you run towards why does an animal seek food it doesn't want to die yeah. why does an animal run away from a predator it doesn't want to die can yeah. you measure fear yeah. You can't. Yeah. You cannot measure, but it's there. You always know it is there. You it can. Is, I mean, there would be hormones getting that is secreted where consciousness in the brain. Comes if there are the hormones. Way. What about an amoeba? Yes. What do you see in the amoeba? So, in a larger scale, you will be able to see a certain set of... You can see the response. With A person can be very frightened, but with a with a breathing practice and all kinds of things, he will not respond to the fear. He'll intellectualize it and right. not let his body react. Then you can't measure it anymore. Because right. the mind can see it, can see the threat, knows intellectually that there is fear, but is not frightened. What is... Okay, okay. So you're kind of equating that to... I'm just giving an example. That there is this whole... Why did they keep using the word saguna nirguna? Right. Uh, sakar... Nirakar. Nirakar. Right. They kept on dividing the obsession with measurement, right. which you are seeing right from the, the Sankhya, Yoga, everywhere. There's continuously thing. beware of this. There's measurable, there's a non measurable world. There's a measurable world, there's a non measurable world. But as world. we progressed, are we measuring more and more? So We are discovering the presence of greater immeasurability. Greater immeasurability. You know what? You are assuming everything we can measure with the tools available now. So we have used light, we have used sound, we have bounce, okay? Right. Smell also, because, you know, the, uh, in biological terms, yeah, olfactory senses, yes, you see the you know, amoeba or whatever, bio, micro uh, biological yes, entities yes. going, you know. Towards uh, a certain towards kind certain, of. Towards uh, certain, you know, collection. It has a chemical basis. Chemical eventually. basis, and yeah. it can get the signal. How do you know the mind? The mind, uh, the techniques you may use have involved only light, as I said, sound. And smell, let's say. Yeah. There might be other entities also. But uh, what can mind measure? I mean, with my mind, I can imagine now our sons sitting in America, what they might be doing. Right? right. That's mine. Right. Which imagination. Said, it's an imagination, but I know certain other parameters in which they might be operating. Oh, it's 12 hours difference between here and California, let's say. That's beautiful. So they, they might be... You know, so there's this concept of imagine. What is imagination and what is this power of imagination, Mathias, according to you? I, I think we are all the time busy with it, no? We imagine 
image actually sure, this room what, what, and you can image something in the past but what is imagination how 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 does a mind imagine i think we all the time create what you could call myths not in the sense of not being true but in the sense of a model of reality a story about reality yeah true story false story but a good story yeah, yeah. and we do that all the time yeah we can't help it that is our mental framework yeah i think the greatness of the indian tradition is that it has figured out how not to do that then you get to that realm of the nirguna or the saguna in its absolute sense where you say okay let's stop this measuring for the time being let's just give it a break let yeah. us look inside instead of outside see the thing that is there in But which Mates, we do all that you can look inside yourself how do you look inside me so in which case how is there inter experience how that do we works in another way Right. According to sure. that theory, sure. Right? so sure. that you can look at it again as a myth or as a science or whatever sure. it is. Sure, whatever. The idea is that if you go inside, you go to consciousness, yeah. you go to inner worlds. Yeah. And one of the things Sri Aurobindo says, and he did a lot of experiment to show whether it, it works or not, to okay. find that out. Actually, okay. we have his diaries and his notes right. about it. Right. Is that inside we are also very much connected to each other. Right. Just like outside, we have a light going in between and sound going in between. There is some kind of an interconnectedness But of the inner world. But inside, we also know each other, and that is probably why that if you really know your own consciousness, becomes easier and easier to know the consciousness of other people. Look at the example of child and mother. Yeah. Child ah. seems to know. Huh. Yeah. How to react. And there to is a the lot of objective. How does that Result happen? Of, it's actually a billion-dollar question, but how? Yeah. Now the thing is, our culture is not busy with it. So very few people have seriously studied not only whether telepathy works. Yeah. And that I think has been proven very conclusively. Okay. But other people still doubt it because sure. it depends how you how sure. you work on it. Sure. But very few people have worked systematically on how do you develop it. Right. How do you? Because the Indian tradition wasn't terribly interested in it. The Indian tradition wanted to find the divine, the nirguna. Right. And has really focused on that. But that's a big jump. Uh huh. And uh -huh. in a way, it is easier to find the absolute there because you don't need to change your nature for it. You can just get out of nature. You think they missed out the intermediate step, going to divinity? According to Sri Aurobindo, the Vedas were still working out all the steps in between. Right. But in, in the Indian tradition, our collective consciousness goes down. It doesn't go yeah. up. There's no, no sense of progress no, no, collectively. I, I agree. So the idea was that people focused on that absolute. Yeah. Then were so blinded by the light. Yeah. That they lost all interest in finding out the detailed steps to get there. Right. And then you get that idea of samadhi that you can find the truth only by jumping to somewhere else. Right. Then coming right. back and say, "Ha, now all is okay." <laughs> But <laughs> you don't know what happened they, in they between. They disappeared. <laughs> and <laughs> so Shubhendu has worked very, very hard to explore those layers in between. And, and, and they, 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 let me ask you, I mean, unique in that. We 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 touched upon the concept of imagination and telepathy. Um, Are there are there are there references to the concept of telepathy in in in? Well, um, is it possible you see, um, for you to know my mind and for? Well, it is possible to know your mind, but another very simple thing called empathy. Right, right. It's just sheer being sensitive to the other, which is in gross short supply in the world today. That's, but how does it work? That's Bec that's that's that's, that's see, the interesting question. The more question. you understand yourself, you understand the, the better, others. The more sensitive you become to the other. Yeah, because you start realizing how a harsh word hurts you. Yeah, and if you are 
awareness has improved you will sense in a room it's like a good host in a house yeah. you invite people to eat and you observe oh the glass is empty so right. you pour water right. or somebody's eating food and there there's some vegetable is not there so you right. serve it you're right. aware of the other and you're aware how they are eating they don't like something yeah. they like something yeah. so you start paying attention yeah. you know if when you go to a hindu temple they say yeah. darshan karo right. look right. but what do people do when they go to a temple they shut their eyes right right so the instruction is very clear look at look at the deity so this is darshan of the deity so darshan no they just use the word darshan darshan okay the temples everything is designed look at what is happening yeah so you the not only to improve your sight they take a lamp and take it to the deity's face <laughs> and say look and again we shut our eyes right because you are not look and the deity has large eyes who is looking back at you never blinks right so the deity divinity is that which is aware all the time right if you look at eye as a metaphor for awareness right right uh, are you aware are you paying attention so yeah. awareness is in terms of perspective yeah attention is in terms of focus yeah so yeah. do you have both 24 by 7 and the thing is when you are aware then you realize what's happening around you why people are doing and therefore uh, you are able to uh, connect with people because you, the wise man can look at a person and just look at his face and says what's bothering what, what happened yeah. and we do that in small measures it's just right. that amplify it now right it's just that at small measures we do it to people who we care about yeah. but imagine someone who's capable of just taking it to the next level and they can sense and it is not rocket science it's I think very the simple. question is how does it happen is it i mean do you subscribe to this theory of some kind of an interconnectedness between all of us or is it just a skill that you develop over time is it i think it is a skill that is developed i think it is there like radio waves it is there yeah. you improve the receptors of your body right. to catch right. it right right you so the measurer has to improve because if empathy if you don't have empathy so you yeah. find people who are just so obsessed with their own goals in their life and they don't care for anybody else they impervious So right. that's what happens in the Bhagavad Gita, where Arjun is a very how is Arjun described as a focused warrior. Correct. He, he doesn't see the bird; he sees the eye of the bird. Of course. What happens when he goes to the battlefield for the first time? Attention breaks, and he becomes aware of something beyond the target. Right. And he realizes, oh, the person I'm going to kill is my uncle. Yeah. Is my father? Is yeah. my brother? And yeah. The consequences of your action. Yeah. So the truth which he had before the battle, and the truth which he faces, and he can't handle the. colossal anyway would have killed them had he not had an awareness the Correct. awareness has shaken him up right and he's saying that oh now that i have aware i will not act yeah and krishna says oh and that's the conversation which is happening therefore maya comes in what was the truth the one before you entered the battlefield right what is the truth when you entered the battlefield and eyes widened right. can you widen it still further and see the consequences of it and right. krishna is smiling all the time because he's like everybody is trapped in their own victimhood right. so arjun becomes the great victim yeah <laughs> duryodhan is the great victim which is illusion right Correct. it is your own construction of reality which justifies your most mean and cruel actions right or even a generous action that you start believing that i am such a noble person i am doing corporate social responsibility <laughs> charity you are constructing these realities that make you feel which is illusion It's you create a cosmos so brahmanda Right. The concept of Brahman, Brahman, cosmos, yes, is Brahma. It literally means the egg of Brahma. Okay. So it's like a chicken which has laid an egg. Right. And what the chicken does after laying the egg, he traps himself in the egg. 
and says, oh, this is the world. He doesn't see the other chickens. Right. He doesn't see everybody's laying eggs. Everybody's trapped themselves in their little eggs. So it's this weird bird. You construct your reality and you trap yourself in that reality. Right. And empathy, mm-hmm. darshan, enables you to see the other Brahmas. Right. Every human being is a Brahma. Right. What is Brahma comes, the words, if you break it up... It's a universe by itself, you, what you mean. No, see, this is the interesting thing. Because when I started reading, why mythology gets exciting is because when you read the word Brahman, it is a split of the word man, mind, and Brah, which is expanding. Yeah. So the universe is the expanding mind. So are they referring to an objective Brahman? The physical, which all of us experience, or the inner Brahman, and which means there are four Brahmas having a conversation right now, each one inhabiting his own egg. Yeah. Is it possible? So it's really epistemological in that sense of right. the term. Right. But is there an egg that we all four occupy? Right. Is there an egg that all of us occupy? So there is a conversation happening at a different level. So, yeah. And some people, not everybody will agree, uh, experience it all. Yeah. Some people will live their entire life trapped in their own egg. Yeah. Two lovers, intense lovebirds, yeah. would be trapped, have one egg in which both of them are inhabiting, their little cocoon. Right. But there right. is, therefore, they, are, they speculate that that which can experience every egg yeah. is divine. Yeah. So I, I, I conceptualize it. I believe, because if I can do it, I can do from one, two, three, somebody can go up to infinity. Right. It is a... Right. So right. the question is... Some kind of a supra-consciousness almost. Yeah. I believe yeah, some, it. Right, right. I right. believe that I can get there. Yeah. But And therefore, the uh, we construct in stories the concept of how would such a person be... Would he live like a king? Yeah. Would he be a cowherd? Yeah. Would he be uh, a maid, maid in someone's house? What would this being... So avatar as a concept is someone who's infinite who becomes finite. Right. Right. So there's right. a concept of... Yes. True. But then, uh, I take your point, we are, I'm in a small cocoon, my own egg, if you like. Yeah. How can I comprehend much, much larger egg of which I'm a part? Right. So can part, the old uh, philosophy, be aware, aware, of course, of the whole, yes, but can I comprehend the whole? I think it depends what on, again, we? what you mean by we and what you mean by comprehend. No? With the mind, you can you always create new eggs. I don't think we, the mind can avoid that. It creates things, it images things, it makes myths, models, whatever. That's its job. But our consciousness can actually expand. It uh-huh. can kind of get out of all those models. It and can, then but what is the limit connect. to which, to which we no can... There's no limit to it. There's no limit to it. Because I think there is, in the end, uh, as you indicated, I think, very beautifully. In the end, there is only one consciousness, no? So we have a kind of illusion that our consciousness is small, and then we fight for our own survival and our own models and our so, own... So, Mathes, what, what is this, don't need what to is do this that. concept of... back out of it. Interesting. What's this concept of knowledge by identity, when you, when you say knowledge by identity? It is exactly that idea that there is a kind of knowledge, yeah. Vija, in, technically, yeah. that is not that model-making knowledge. All the knowledge we have is model making. Model it is, it okay. is creating something new, which is a kind of copy of something unknown that's behind it. Yeah. Now, yeah. there is also a knowledge that is intrinsic in being something. Right. And traditionally, that is your own self. So you find out who you really are, not yeah. your concept of yourself, not your idea about yourself, not your cultural idea about yourself. But what you really are. But how, uh, so and that, that kind of becomes then yeah. Satchitananda, emptiness, uh, whatever. Yeah? 
But the idea is that that basic knowledge by identity, just like you say, there's so many Brahmins all chicken in small eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Is there yeah. in absolutely everything? Right. So there is also right. a tiny little bit of completely involved consciousness of Brahman in an electron or in a table or in a river or in anything. Right. And that is a kind of, you can call it information or habit or lawfulness. True. Which helps that thing to remain doing what it does. Yeah. And you can even tie it up with the old Marxian philosophy. Yeah, Marxian philosophy. Marxian philosophy says you mentioned electron yeah. or this table. It says the property of an electron or the property, the mass of this table is due to the interaction of the electron or this table with the rest of the universe. Right. If you remove the rest of the universe instantaneously... The property of this electron changes. Changes. It goes. It disappears. This table will lose its property to have a mass. When the world around it. When the world around it. A distant world even disappears. And that brings me... So at some level the electron is aware of the world. Well, it's part of the world. So it but has is to it be, aware of the world? Well, it is part of the world. It is linked by Marxian principle yeah. through interaction, long-range interaction. Right. And the moment that is switched off, suppose there's a uh, super divine uh, being, which is fine. Now I've had my fun. <laughs> I, consciously, I now had created this uh, cosmos. Yeah. And I want to switch it off because there's no reason to believe that this is the only universe we have. There are concepts going around. There are multi-universes. Yeah, multiverses. Or yeah. even our universe is maybe a hologram in the string theory, 11 dimensions, and that this is a holographic. So how, how would that work? What I mean, how does one visualize or conceptualize a holographic universe? Well, just like in a hologram, you have a virtual image. Right. I mean, you and I believe that we are living in real world. But what is living? As you say, it is consciousness that we are conscious of entities around us. Right. That's our uh, link right. with the physical world. Right. But you see, in all this, our discussion, we are not yet uh, touched on time. Yes. See, we've been discussing uh, spatial coordinates, neighborhood or right. far off. Right. But there is this other coordinate, the time. Is time an illusion as well? Is time an illusion? Now, that, that's an interesting question. Suppose you and I, all of us, yeah. who were cave-bound and had spent most of our life bound in a cave yes. and had never seen day the rest and night of the world. cycle, rest right. of the world, the circadian cycle. Yes. Would we have figured out the evolution of the world around? Right. I mean, brilliant minds amongst us would have figured out the Newton's laws of motions and Maxwell's equations. Right. But would they have figured out how the rest of the universe interacts with you? Kumar, what is time? What is time then? See, yeah. time, I feel. See, the, what is time? There is, I mean, look at this arrow of time. Yeah. Uh, all the equations of physics are time independent, the time reversal. If I put t equal to minus t, Newton's laws of motion is the same. They still work? They still work. Right. I have to put t equal to minus t, then t squared gets rid of the sign. Right. <laughs> Maxwell's <laughs> equations likewise. Yeah. All you know, major laws of physics are time reversible. Right. How come then the arrow of time goes in one direction only, from the past through the present to yeah. the future? Yeah. Because there are different uh, times, measures of time. There is thermodynamic time, 
Yeah. There is biological time. Yes. There is physical time. What is time? I look at my watch That's and it's, horological it's ticking. Time. That's physical right. time. Right. But there is thermodynamic time also. I mean, suppose if you give me a puzzle of, uh, well, this jigsaw, thousand pieces, and it's all done and arranged, and I see seven secrets from Hindu calendar art, the picture here. Suppose if I shake it yeah. and drop it, or if I drop this uh, yeah. cup. Yeah, yes. Yes. It splinters, so the entropy has increased there, basically. Right. That's right. the thermodynamic error of time, which I can't reverse. Right. Because causality is operating right. at some right. stage. There has to be cause right. and effect. But, I mean, this is so, where there's... This, this, this is, this is this important. You know, basi yeah. Basically, the arrow of time is determined by physical, thermodynamic, but it's a biological arrow of time. You are trapped, <laughs> but I know I'm running down. My pulse <laughs> is one measure. <laughs> So how do you then determine? But so what is time? And the whole idea of time may be yeah. just a mental construct a or a yeah. mental yeah. ability. Right? Because we are so limited, we are kind of pushed through time. No, in the Indian tradition, you have the world of triculturalism of all the times coexisting. See, I always ask people that when you're watching, you know, just imagine. Remember the days when you're terribly bored. Yes. And the time expands. Yes. Doesn't move. And when you are, just doesn't move because you're like, a horrible movie is not ending. Yes. And then you are very excited by a movie or you're extremely concentrating on some task which is very satisfying. Time shrinks. You wake up and four hours have passed. You're reading a great book and your time has passed. Now, it's a psychological time because right. time is expanding and right. contracting. That's you're right. in a good mood. Time moves very fast. Absolutely. When you're in a terrible mood, then time moves slow. But what is time? Uh, well, time is that... What is time for the Brahman that you were talking Well, uh, time is always uh, separated in the realm of Prakriti. Okay. It, uh, in Sankhya, and I find sure, that as a very simple sure. division, uh, they separate Purusha and Prakriti. Yeah. And they say that which is bound by time and that which impacts is Prakriti. That which is not affected by time, therefore can move across time, space, uh, is Purusha. Okay. So, the, the in a way, they say that uh, if the mind chooses to believe time, yeah. if it chooses not to believe time, it can break free from it. And how does the Purusha break time? Because we are able to travel in our imagination. I mean, that's the simplest way of understanding right. it. Is that I can be stuck on a memory of my childhood and my entire life I spent because that sorrow has burdened. So time didn't move for me. I just got stuck in that. In the time right. warp. Although yes. the physically time has passed, but I'm stuck in that traumatic event of my past mentally sure. mentally sure. and i'm st and that is replaying in my mind so the world my body is changing the world is changing everybody is saying it doesn't matter but my mind is stuck in that period or i'm stuck in a future that one day the world will be a better place and i'm saying but enjoy the world today and i'm saying no i can't because i'm thinking of a world where all the problems will be solved and therefore my mind is now locked into the future so i'm yeah. not You'll say about data, you'll present data, but the mind says, I don't accept this data. Right. That's, so that's that is the simplest illusion. way of understanding that's it. There, there is a very sweet story about uh, the mind. Yes, um, please. It is one of your, one of my favorite myths. <laughs> 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 it is about Indra. Okay. Indra is the lot of the mind also. Right, no? the, right. The, Correct. Most illumined mind. Correct. So the story goes that he wants to understand language. Yeah. So he goes to one of the really old gurus of how the world works. Yeah. And uh, he goes to him and he tries to, to understand language because yeah. language is needed to understand everything. Yeah. And the guru is just chanting. Uh, 
Right. For millions of years. For millions of years. Millions of years. <laughs> then after slowly, slowly, Indra loses it and comes back and then he's again chanting. Ooh. But there's, there's no end to it because time is eternal. Right. right. So Indra says, this is not going to work because I want to learn something. There has to be some end to it. Right. So he gets very agitated <laughs> and then cuts the sound into pieces. Right. So then the vowels become the consonants. Now you have k, g, all very short. Also oh, the vowels and consonants are formed. Ha, right. Yes. Right. By Indra. Right. Cutting right. down eternity. Now you right. have very finite little time units. Chunks. Right. Now the problem is total chaos starts because all these consonants just are rumbling about any way they want. Right. So then Indra quickly invents grammar. The vowels. Grammar. Grammar. Okay. So right. that puts all those consonants in, in place. and vowels nicely in, in place. place. No? Right. If you look at this, then you get the creation of time and the creation of order, cosmos, yeah. to put a order and a system to the events taking place. Yeah. So yeah. time becomes... The Greeks had something similar. No? You had... Uh, Chaos and uh, yeah. so in some sense, coming together time is a measure of order. Huh. Right. So chaos and chronos come together, and then you get cosmos. Right. So right. you have just infinity, total entropy, and then you right. have time, and then you get a cosmos. Right. Now that's the creation of the mind. Right. So the world right. in which we live, this distinction between self and order, between one thing and another thing, that's all mental constructs. But there the is world, something behind, right? But that's not known by the mind, right? That becomes ah forever. <laughs> See, yeah? time sure. uh, comes when there's death, uh, when something's coming to an end. So that's the end break. point. End point. Yes. Uh, the moment there is the need for something finite, it's linked to the concept of interval almost. Interval. I mean, so I mean, there's there an interval. There's a break. One. If there yeah. is no concept of a break. And yes. You see, everything is a continuum. Yeah. Then there is no need for a break. Then there is no past, present. It is just a flow that is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you uh, you you experience. So you don't experience. So if there is no time, just visualize no time. Then nothing is aging. Right. Nothing is shifting. Right. Nothing, so it becomes stationary, still. Right. St it is uh, called called a steady state. A steady right. Physical term. What you are referring. I mean, tensorless universe. Yeah, basically, almost. what he's referring to the time is a continuous. It's a continuum. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. a biology which determining the end of an entity. Entity. Right. In, in the case of humans, let's say hundred years now. Yeah. Elephants longer. <laughs> little ant. Shorter. Shorter. Yeah. Right? So that depends, that's a function of the biological entity, and that breaks it right. at different points. Right. But there might be some entities, some sages, who are known to have lived because of their control. So if there is no death, there's there is no, no birth. You can't right. define time. So right. there is no tree is not growing because it right. doesn't need to grow. Right. And then right. because there is no death. Otherwise, right. why would trees grow? They right. grow because there is, they don't want to die. Right. So there is n everything is still. There's no movement because if there's movement, then there's break. So does an illusion need the concept of time or creation? Creation. Creation. Any manifestation and, yeah. is a manifestation in time, at least in our understanding right. of that, how that works. There must be some other that we can theorize. Yeah. But yes. Right, right but now, I'm born. Right. I know I'm going to die. Right. That itself has created a finite space within me. My egg has been defined. Whether <laughs> yeah, I yeah. choose to call it an egg or not, yeah. it is there. But he can be trapped in a certain medical uh, equipment. <laughs> right. And he can prolong his life. Yeah. His biological end may not come. 
Right. For 300 years, let's right. say. Who knows? Who knows? Excellent. Now, medicine Excellent. has come to that uh, stage. Excellent. So, before we... Just a minute I should, ago. I should give you a parable. Yeah, please. It can be off the record. No, no, please, go ahead. go ahead. No, this is something which, you know, you alluded to. And this is something uh, which Chandrasekhar gave it to us, uh -huh. old astrophysicist. Right. Yeah, this is an Indian parable from nature. It says this parable entitled, Not Lost but gone before, is about larvae of dragonflies. Right, right. Deposited at the bottom of a pond. Right. A constant source of mystery for those larvae was what happens to them when on reaching the stage of chrysalis, they pass through the surface of the pond, yeah. never to return. Yeah. And each larva, as it approaches the chrysalis stage, and feels compelled to rise to the surface of the pond, yeah. promises to return and tell them that remain behind what really <laughs> happens, and confirm or deny rumor attributed to a frog that when a larva emerges on the other side of the world, <laughs> it becomes a marvelous creature with a long, slender body and iridescent wings. Beautiful. But on Beautiful. emerging from the surface of the pond as a fully formed dragonfly, it is unable to penetrate the surface of no the matter pond again. how much it tries and how long it hovers. That's time for you. Terrific. Terrific. And the history book of the larvae do not record any instance of one of them returning to tell them what happens to it when it crosses <laughs> the dome of their world, dome of their world. Right, which is and, the Brahman, which is And that about. is the Brahman. And the parable ends uh, with the cry, will none of you in pity to those you left behind disclose the secret? <laughs> Terrific. That's a great note to end our discussion on. Thank you so much to all of you for making it. We look forward to having you soon again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you so much for calling. Thank, thank you. you so much for having, thank getting you. us together here.